Welcome everybody to the Return of Ritual podcast. I am your host, Amber Winston, and today I have a very special guest. Uh, today I'd like to welcome to the show, Angel. Angel is an Ayurvedic practitioner and a feminine wisdom keeper who works with the women to heal chronic health issues, cultivate a cycle-centered life, and deeply connect with their soul. In addition to Ayurvedic wisdom and menstrual cycle awareness, Angel utilizes a variety of healing modalities to support the balancing and healing of mind, body, and spirit. She is passionate about supporting women to heal trauma by working with the menstrual cycle in a ceremonial way, which often leads to deep karmic and ancestral healing. Welcome to the show, Angel. Mm, thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here with you. And everyone I know. Else. I'm so excited to have you. Um, you know, a little bit of background for how... Angel and I met, I think, you know, we could probably attribute social media to like how we actually crossed paths. Um, and I really fell in love with a lot of the work that Angel is putting out into the world um, because it's very potent medicine. She is really helping educate women about the power of the menstrual cycle. And uh, she herself has hosted a podcast and done some amazing interviews with some amazing women on this topic. She herself is a wealth of knowledge on the menstrual cycle and healing that part of ourselves. Um, so I'm really, again, so excited to have you on the show. Um, I feel like this is going to be a juicy topic because, I mean, when you think about the menstrual cycle, it is the ultimate ritual, right? The ultimate ceremony. And um, so I can't wait to dive into that. So the first kind of question I have is just a fun one. Um, what is your sign? What's my astrological sign? I'm a Virgo. And do you connect with that? Totally. <laughs> How? Totally to my detriment sometimes because Virgos are um, known for being very analytical and detail oriented. So sometimes I tend to overthink the details too much. Um, but I personally feel like that in addition to some other qualities um, adds to good leadership skills for me to have clarity and to be assertive and um, kind of have the courage to be up in front of the crowd, leaving mm -hmm. a path and um, articulating a way forward yes which i think you have done so well with the with the work that you're doing with the menstrual cycle i mean i could just keep going on and on about how important this is and i think i want you i want to hear you tell us how important this is but um yeah i totally can see you as a virgo too like you know cares about the details structured and then can share that message and bring it forth into the community in a very um i would say it's a very uh attainable way you know it's it's very humbled and real you know it's not lofty like people can attach and grab on to little bits of wisdom that you share which i think is so fun i love hearing what people's signs are before we start because it just kind of like paints the picture in a whole new way so angel yeah. what is uh if you could just walk us through like what is your ideal morning or evening um, and again, ideal morning mm -hmm. or evening ritual. So are we talking about outside of the menstrual cycle or like just every day? Yeah, just a little glimpse into kind of your, your daily practices, your daily life. Um, and then we can certainly dive into the menstrual cycle too. Sure. So um, 
Having a morning routine for me has been paramount to success on pretty much every level in my life. So I have spent the better part of at least 10 years cultivating. Um, and, you know, it evolves over time as we do. But an ideal morning routine um, usually starts off with me waking up at about 5 a.m. Um, ideally, that doesn't always happen, but I really like to be up in that calm energy before the whole world wakes up. It's so much easier to hear your soul, hear whatever messages that are coming through the veil um, from the divine. And I just feel like it's easier to tap into a receptive space of stillness during that time. Um, and usually I, well, after I scrape my tongue and brush my teeth, so I'll like have a bathroom break. Um, and then I sit down for, for meditation. I sit in front of my altar. Um, I usually always have a picture of me as a little girl on my altar because I'm always doing um, inner child work. That's where most of our trauma stems from. Um, so I usually meditate. Sometimes I'll do some pranayama, some breath work, um, at least a half hour of yoga. Oftentimes I'll journal or have affirmations or I will read something spiritually uplifting that's really positive um, food for my mind mm. as well as my soul. Uh, and generally I just try to extend that calm space from the morning into as much of the day as possible. So I try to really root into that stillness in the morning and hold that in my body for as long as I can throughout the rest of the day. Um, <clears throat> and ideally, when I do stick to a, an evening routine, it's a little bit simpler. I'll do like just a few yin yoga poses and sit for a few more minutes of meditation, maybe not as long as the morning. Um, and also maybe some abhyanga or just a foot massage before bed. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think those, those liminal hours are so powerful. And I always am so inspired by people who, you know, really can naturally wake up at that time. I know I have several dear friends who are just natural early risers and I'm not a natural early riser. So I, I am always so in awe of folks that are, you know, and again, I know this is your ideal. So it's not every day, right? And people, you know, we ebb and flow, you know, sometimes you might be really inspired to wake up early and then other days you're like, I'm going to sleep in. And that's the whole point of this. But mm -hmm. I think that there's something very special, like you said about, you know, the veil being a little bit thinner and you can really tap into the domain of your soul and the wisdom of your soul or your higher self at those, those times of day. Um, mm -hmm. So you've definitely inspired me. I'm, you know, who knows? I might try and wake up a little earlier. Um, yeah, beautiful morning rituals and evening rituals. And now you mentioned two things that I just want to make sure that people who are listening to this understand. You said tongue scraping first thing in the morning, which I myself do. And once I learned about why that is so important, I was like, I'm doing this every day. So I want you to tell us a little bit about that. And then you mentioned Abhyanga in the evening. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing what those two practices are in a little bit more detail, that would be great. Sure. So they're both Ayurvedic self-care practices. Um, uh, tongue, tongue scraping 
is good for a number of reasons, but basically when we sleep, there is bad bacteria that forms on our tongue. And instead of just swallowing all of that, which can mess up the balance in your microbiome, all of the different strains of bacteria and microorganisms that live in our gut that ultimately determine our mood and energy level and nutrient absorption. In Ayurveda, we want to scrape all of that off so it doesn't recirculate back into our body. And also, um, it's a really good way to tell the level of toxicity that's in your body. Mm. Um, concept called ama in Ayurveda, which is basically the toxicity in your body that happens from pro uh, improperly combined foods, stress, junk food, overeating, all kinds of things that create toxicity in the body, pollution. And um, I always have my clients get into a habit of looking at their tongue every morning to see where their level of toxicity is. Oftentimes you'll see a white coating on your tongue, mm -hmm. which is a representation of the buildup of ama in your body. It is the same thing that builds up in arteries that doctors call plaque. You can see that on your tongue. So the cleaner you get your diet and lifestyle, the more that will go down. And it's kind of cool because your tongue is like a window into the health of your organs. Um, there's several different kinds of tongue diagnosis and we won't go into that right now because that's a little bit more in depth, but um, it's a basic Ayurvedic healthcare regimen. I, and I love that. And so are you saying, you know, when we check our tongues in the morning, you know, maybe the less white film buildup, the better over time, like as, as like a right. measure of, and, I, and yeah. again, we're going to ebb and flow, but generally if people are going to wake up and, you know, tomorrow morning, look at their tongue in the mirror, you know, what are we looking for? Like, what's a measure yeah. of, you know, success? Um, honestly, it depends. It depends on the person. And also there's a little bit of variation depending on which Ayurvedic body type you are. But in general, um, without getting too deep into it, it's just observing, just observe. What is, what does your tongue look like? What color is it? Um, another obvious thing I can tell you is that if you have little indentations like teeth marks on the sides of your tongue, that's an indication of, um, sorry, that's an indication of malabsorption. Um, I'm pretty sure if you Google, you can, you can find uh, a chart that'll map out the tongue for you. Yeah. And show you specifically what different things mean. But generally speaking, I just, I just observed what the coating looks like, how sure. much it is. The, the dirt, like the easier it is for your mouth to get dirty, the more, basically the more toxins you have in your body. Because if you're really clean, your mouth doesn't get dirty nearly as quickly mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. um, so. I yeah. love it. And I, you know, once I recognize and I put, like you said, some awareness to this, you know, I realized that before I would wake up and then, you know, the first thing most people say in the morning is hydrate, right? So I would wake up and I'd just start drinking water that I had on my nightstand or my bedside table. And what is that doing? It's just like, I'm re-ingesting all of the ama that has come up and out of my mouth. 
-hmm. And so once I realized, oh my gosh, I was doing that. I don't drink anything. I wake up and I try not to even swallow and I like run to the bathroom and I'm like, spirit, 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 spirit. Um, and it is a good measure of success. And then, you know, I brush my teeth and I just feel um, so much better. Whereas maybe before I wouldn't rush to the bathroom and brush my teeth right away. You know, it would come like, a couple steps later in my morning routine. But um, I just want to share that to the, with the listeners because it was such an aha moment for me um, and something I do now religiously every single day. The second thing you said was Abhyanga in the evening. So what is that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> Abhyanga is kind of like a loose term in Ayurveda. It can either mean a self oil massage or a professional oil massage from an Ayurvedic practitioner or a Panchakarma therapist. Um, but basically it's, it's like a longevity practice. I call it a form of temple body maintenance because our bodies are temples. It's temporarily housing a fraction of our soul while we're here on the planet. And the state of your physical vessel very much so um, determines the quality of how much of your soul is able to actually inhabit your body. Um, and the body is basically like a sponge. It's very porous and there's like a million different sizes and kinds of little tubular channels all throughout the body from your pores to your blood vessels to your lymph system. It's really a complex um, whole system of channels. And with the state of the world and how much pollution we're exposed to in food and water and air and stress and all of the things, it can start to clog up the channels of our body. They're called srotas. That's the, the channels in the body. And basically a regular practice of abhyanga helps to condition your body and keep the channels clear so that your body can kind of breathe and the energy and the function can flow better throughout your body. Um, there's probably like a couple of pages of benefits to Abhyanga, but that's one of them. And also, um, so this is the way that I put it for people because it's the easiest way for me to understand it. If you take like a, a, a nice piece of like wood made by a craftsman, usually you're going to oil it every now and then to maintain its um, integrity and to preserve it. And if, like, if you think about a piece of wood, how it gets all dry and brittle over time and what oil does to that, it's the same thing with our bodies. So our bodies are in this perpetual process of basically drying out since we're born. If you look at a baby, who's really squishy and moist and buoyant compared to an elderly person that usually has like brittle bones and drier wrinkly skin and dry colorless hair. That's like the progression that the human body goes through in the atmosphere that we live on the planet right now. And so doing Abhyanga regularly helps at a molecular level, it helps to keep your body and your brain and your sense organs from drying out over time. So it helps preserve your entire body and also your cognitive health. Because a lot of the reasons why 
um, people experience the degradation of their sense organs is because at a molecular level, things are starting to dry out in that area. So it doesn't only help to preserve your physical body, but also your cognitive health over time. And it's really soothing to the nervous system. Um, it's just really good. <laughs> it is really good. And I, again, I'm loving you tell us and remind us of these benefits because I'm like, I've got the oils right there in my, you know, in my bathroom, but it's something that I have not yet kind of fully embraced and incorporated into my evening ritual, um, but definitely super inspired to do so. And so really, um, you know, the oil matters, right? So if, if you were to really dive into Ayurveda with somebody, you know, you would figure out what their constitution would be, um, mm -hmm. vata, pitta, or kapha, or some combination of the two. And then there's usually specific oils that you mm -hmm. would recommend to that person based on their constitution. Um, and of course, you know, you don't want to just be lathering on oils that are not good for us, right? We definitely want to yeah. select the organic and the highest quality possible. But what would you say, you know, for somebody who's like, oh, I really would love to just kind of practice the Abhyanga. Um, what's like a good, maybe universal oil, like, or a starting point oil? Would that be like a coconut or? Yeah. So I always advocate for cold pressed because if an oil isn't cold pressed, it can oftentimes be very harshly removed from the plant using chemical solvents. Um, so a cold pressed, either a coconut or a sesame oil. Okay. So a little bit more challenging to find cold pressed. So I think expeller pressed might be the next um, one for that. But I also wanted to add that another reason why Abhyanga and the use of oils is so powerfully effective in Ayurveda is because of the, the deeply pervasiveness of oil. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but um, oil's really hard to contain. It has to usually come in a really sophisticatedly sealed bottle for it to not seep out. If there's not a really nice seal, it's gonna get out in a much, uh, it, it's much more effective than a water base because it can get into every tiny little crevice. Mm. And that reason, when you, when you get an, an Ayurvedic oil, they're called tailas. Um, when you get one that's specific for your body type, because the oil has the, the ability to literally penetrate into every cell of your body, if you do it over time, it's gonna get deeper and deeper into your tissues. And because of its pervasiveness, it acts as a really powerful medium for the herbs and the medicine to get into your cells. So the oil alone is conditioning and, ha and has a preserving effect on your body and your mind. But when you combine that with the healing herbs, then you're starting to rebuild structurally on the cellular level of your body um so pretty powerful. cool yeah no it's so powerful and it's so funny because i when you were giving the analogy about you know a really nice piece of wood and the importance of oiling it i had my dad's voice in my head because he he always comes over and he always look, looks at my chopping boards my cutting boards my wooden boards and mm -hmm. always like remind me you need to oil that make sure you oil that you know keep preserve it oil it and I'm like okay dad I'll oil <laughs> cutting board um 
And then the other observation I had when you were speaking again was, was with my dad, because he's been coming around and helping with house projects. And I'm noticing that his skin is more, um, it's much more fragile. So like if he, you know, is climbing the ladder and then like happens to graze his wrist or his hand, you know, he's, he's bleeding now. Right. And so when you were talking about little babies versus as we get older and everything kind of is drying out, Mm -hmm. um, that, that too is very tangible, tangible for me to see. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, again, I'm going to start boiling myself up tonight (laughs) to myself. (laughs) Now, the last thing, sorry, real quick before you, I wanted to make sure (laughs) that people like, okay, oils, got it. I'm a, I'm assuming I'm applying that to my body. Yes, you're right. Um, and the, what I have been taught is that you're always kind of rubbing towards your heart. Angel, do you have any other tips or recommendations on how people can start to apply the oils to their bodies and then what they do after? When does it come off? Sure. Yeah. Um, I actually just did a video um, about this not too long ago because when I first was introduced to the concept of, of yoga, I was just so perplexed at how I'm supposed to massage myself. <laughs> like I don't even know how to do that but okay so over the last uh four and a half almost five years since it's been since I've been to India I have been learning as I go and usually I start I start at my heart um but it I really think it's just like intuitive on what it is Mm -hmm. for you Um, but I always just start there as like a symbol of like grounding and like just kind of showing my body that I'm here and present with it and I love it and I want to take good care of it um and I just use circular motions I usually start in the front of my torso and I do my shoulders and I do my back and I personally like to sit on my meditation pillow on the ground and I spend a good amount of time on my knees and my calves because I'm a runner. So my calves are often really sore um, and my feet. And I would definitely recommend if there's any parts of your body that are more tense or tender to spend some time there. It's really good to just get into the habit of making sure that you're moisturized regularly, but if you can actually carve out some time in your schedule and sit down and actually really pour love into the practice and really be present and and feel into your body and what strokes feel good for you and tailor it to whatever your body's needs are in the moment, uh, it's one of the most powerful self-love practices that I have found personally. Mm. And um, traditionally, Ayurveda instructs you to do this before you bathe because from the Ayurvedic perspective, which makes sense, water dries you out. And so Ayurveda says, do a Bhyanga before you bathe or take a shower so that you're already kind of protecting and conditioning your body. Um, But I personally do it afterwards. Because that's what feels right for me. Um, so I just, I always say both of them because I'm choosing not to do it in the traditional way, but that might feel better for people. Um, and in the evening time, I feel like it's, it's just intuitive 
because it's kind of calming. Mm -hmm. It it's a really grounding practice. It really helps you get into your body and out of your head because most of us live in our heads all day long. Yeah. Um, so it's a good practice to do to help you wind down. Yeah, for the it's beautiful. I've even heard, you know, new moms kind of doing little oil massages on their, on their newborns or their babies as well to kind of help calm them or go into restful sleep. Um, so why not do that for ourselves? I think it's fabulous. Uh, the next question that I wanted to dive into is really the menstrual cycle. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so I guess the, the first question would be, how can the menstrual cycle become the ultimate ritual or ceremony for somebody? Hmm. Well, there is really powerful potential in it to be deeply transformative for every woman. And it's also a bit controversial and complex um, with where we're at in society on the planet right now, because there's really not room for the menstrual cycle in society. Um, and basically the way that I have been explaining this lately is it's like this powerful incredible life-changing gift that is dormant it's buried under many layers of protection and it it's also been suppressed for a long time on the planet so also this is a huge source of trauma and suffering for women um, and it's very unique to each woman so there's a journey of starting to move through those layers and deepening into ourselves to get to that, like the underbelly, the void, the, mm. the dark womb. Um, and it can bring up a lot um, for a woman. But basically it's, it's an organic process that's already there in every woman but it's not really gonna be able to do what it's meant to do and heal you on the soul level like we all need, unless and until we carve out space for the process to happen. It's not even necessarily anything that we have to do or even like take part in necessarily. It's really just about creating space in your life for this thing that's already a part of you that's already happening within you. And it's really, what's the way that, how do I wanna put this? One of my mentors told me many years ago that I think we might've even talked about this when I saw you recently, that we don't actually do the healing. We don't actually heal ourselves. We create a space for the healing to occur in. And so that's basically what it's all about is you creating space in your life and understanding that there's something really special and sacred during this time and starting to pay attention to it. Because if you're triggered or having issues with this, that's an indication that there's healing needed and something there for you to pay attention to. But if you keep allowing yourself to be filled with distraction, which our world is filled with, it's gonna keep being buried under those layers. So it's really a matter of creating space for it. And just like any ritual or ceremony, the more intention 
mm-hmm. you put into creating the space, the deeper the experience is going to be for you. Um, and I always recommend women that I work with to think about how they can make their living situation and their physical environment around them feel like a temple. Because while we don't have our goddess temples to go to or our moon lodges, um, what we can do is work with the space around us. And if you think about a temple or a healing space and how that feels and the way that things are situated in like a really feng shui savvy way, like making sure that there's no clutter um, and that it's not messy, like make it feel safe and healing for you. And it's really all about resting. That's what the menstrual cycle wants women to do is rest work. We literally come into our, our inner dreamer um, phase of the cycle. That's where a woman's psychic and intuitive abilities are at their peak and where you have potential to receive potent instructions, medicine, downloads for your path, for your relationships, for your health. It's a very um, personal connection with you and the divine and your soul. Um, And it's the strongest during that time. And it's also really easy to keep just letting yourself get distracted. And it isn't until you know that there's something here for you mm-hmm. and you start paying attention to it and you start prioritizing it and working with it, that it starts to work with you. Um, and I think just that piece alone, just creating more space for this natural process of resting and receiving that alone has the potential to heal so many wounds and so many women's hearts and minds and even their men. Um, in the Hawaiian tradition, a woman's period is called her ma'i and they uh, believe that when a woman bleeds, she isn't only bleeding for herself, she's also bleeding for her partner. So it's a natural cleansing process that's taking place, not on a not just on a physical level, but on an emotional, spiritual, psychological level. And the more we can really just bring attention to the fact that there's something really special and sacred happening, and we don't necessarily understand all the details of it, but it needs to be honored and prioritized in society. It's gonna open up like waterfalls of healing. For women that's going to pour into her family and community it's it's like the ultimate medicine from the goddess from divine feminine energy it's there to replenish women so that they can continue to be the nurturers and givers in society but if women aren't taking this time to replenish seriously and understanding how important it is not only for their own well-being but for their soul mission on the planet and to be the best wife and and mother and um community support they're not going to have the capacity that they want or need in order to continue to show up for the demands of life so okay (laughs) okay Let's talk about that. So for me, before COVID, 
I was struggling with extremely painful menstrual cycle periods every month, vomiting, nausea, you name it, menstrual cramping. And this has probably been going on for many years of my life, of my, my bleeding life. Um, and, and I've, and I've always been trying to heal that, right? Like, oh, well, what's wrong? You know, why do I have these painful periods? And, oh, what is it? And, you know, I was always looking kind of externally for something to, to help me with that. And I, of course, avoid any sort of, you know, Advil or pain medication. That's because that's a choice that I've decided to make. And so I'm always looking for these healing modalities to help support my menstrual cycle. And it wasn't until us chatting and COVID breaking out and us going into this lockdown that I actually was able to have the time and the space to create this temple that you're speaking about. Because I think most people listening to this, you know, pre-COVID, whether you're a busy mom with multiple kids, whether you're a corporate woman like myself, you know, there is no time cut out for anybody in society to, oh, you know, take a couple days and go create a nice nest and like recharge. And that's just unheard of, right? For most people. And yeah. so when this gift of like being in my home during mm. COVID happened, I was like, okay, I'm going to do all these things that Angel has been advising me to do. I have created what I call the period palace which is our guest room. And I was advised, I think it was by you to, you know, when you are bleeding, go away, go into your own space away from your partner um, so that you can just be one with your energy. I think it's also when you're dreaming, your dreams can kind of interfere with your partners. So mm -hmm. I created the period palace and I sleep in there for, Amazing. you know, four or five days, however long I feel is comfortable. Um, and I've made it comfortable and clean. Sometimes I bring in fresh flowers mm. and now with the ability to work remotely and work at home, you know, day one, day two, if I'm really kind of feeling groggy or tired, or I just need to like lay down, you know, I can do that now, right? Because I'm designing my own schedule and I will just not work for a couple of hours that I'm not feeling well and get to lay down. And so this has been such a change from like the way that our society has been operating previously. And now I'm even more inspired that we're sharing this message with people mm -hmm. because if and when there's a point where we go back, which I don't think that we necessarily will, we're, we're going forward. Um, <laughs> but if, if you are faced with the obligations of the children, the family, the nurturer, all these just day-to-day -day things that you're, you're doing, um, take a stand for yourself because I think that having Angel, you know, for me, someone to talk to and, and say, you know, she was encouraging me, just take that time. Um, and so it's almost like the call to the women listening to this is take a stand almost, right? Like take a stand for that very sacred time for yourself, even if it's an hour where you're like, honey, can you take the kids out for an hour? I'm just going to lay down and journal or listen to some beautiful music. Um, that I think is the biggest invitation from this because I personally have felt so different having been able to carve out that time and space. So mm -hmm. hopefully this inspires those of you that are listening to this and it is something that's attainable 
too. You can start small and then, you know, over time you'll be like, whoa, I was really recharged. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was like really nice being able to do that. Or I got some new downloads and messages and then you'll want to do more and more and more of it. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's complex and it's deeply rooted into the collective healing of everyone because for women who have children, for instance, or a bunch of responsibilities and they literally don't have the luxury to create a period palace for themselves. They don't have access to the, to the support that they need. Um, it's gonna take literally as many women as we possibly can to embody this to the, the deepest level that we can to create this shift that's ultimately gonna bring the support that all women need to honor this time. Um, and it's not an overnight process, but women are so, they're such incredible creatures, so powerful and creative and intuitive and psychic. If anyone's able to create this shift in a nurturing, divinely feminine, balanced way, it's women and it is every woman receiving empowerment from women like this who are doing it and saying, it's possible for you. And I just wanna speak to um, women who don't have their own period palace right now. Just the act of shifting mentally when you're bleeding to internally be in a gentler, more compassionate space for yourself during that time. Like if you have to be with your kids and they're not getting along or you're just, you're feeling overwhelmed because you don't have the space that you need to just like forgive yourself Mm. for not having the patience that you need all of the time for it not being perfect to know that you're in a really vulnerable space and it's incredible that you're still able to show up for all of your responsibilities even when you're not getting gifted the support that you genuinely need. So just being more compassionate for yourself and as much as you can, while you're still maintaining your life, keep some of your focus inside your body and keep at least a portion of your consciousness internally and in your womb as much as possible. Like be paying attention to you while you're paying attention to everything else. Be, be listening and move slower. If you can't completely stop and drop your bundle like Sharni and Alexandra say, if that's not possible for you, just slow down as much as you can in your own current situation and let that be enough. Yes, thank you for, for that. I think that that's such a beautiful reminder. and. And also, I think it's having courage to ask, right? So, you know, for me, it was, I was going to be sleeping separately from my husband for five nights, right? And, and thinking like, oh, you know, what's he going to think about that? Am I like abandoning him or, you know, Mm -hmm. and and he still gets a little feisty, like, well, when are you going to come back? You know, and and we kind of joke around a little bit about it. Um, but it's, but it's really, you know, I had to come to him with an open heart and say, this is going to really serve me 
to sleep away. It has nothing to do with you. Like, you know, I'm not leaving you for any specific reason. It's really about me to, to allow those layers to shed all of that stuff that I've been carrying that month and then to be reborn. Right. And then to come back into the bed in a ceremonious sleep, ceremonial way. Um, and so it's also just asking for the time and the space too. If, if maybe you potentially could have a period palace, you know, start asking for what you need in the workplace, start asking for what you need. I have been very vocal in the workplace about the ebbs and flows of women's natural cycles and men need to understand that. And, and so coming forward from a very loving place, explaining that, you know, we don't operate on a linear kind of cycle. We're not always wanting to produce results. We're going to ebb and we're going to flow and it's going to vary by week. And so mm-hmm. having the courage to have that conversation, um, Again, I think it takes the tribe of women that are gathering around this, which I know there are many, um, to kind of continue to share this message going forward. So really? I've been doing it. It's been kind of scary, but I've been doing it because it needs to be done. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I had a really candid conversation with a couple of men that I work with, and I was like, this is how it is. Um, so, you know, um, don't hold back, ladies. Uh And so that kind of is a nice segue into something that I do want to talk about, because this is what we're up against, right? Women are dirty. When you're bleeding, you're dirty. Shave your arms, shave your legs, you're dirty. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the macro level conditioning as women that we've received about the menstrual cycle being a dirty thing, something you should be ashamed of, something that you should hide, something that is not celebrated as a rite of passage. Um, there's extremely powerful medicine in our, in our menstrual blood Mm -hmm. since I've learned from chatting with you and experiencing in my own rituals. Mm -hmm. Can we talk, can I, can you just talk to us a little bit about, gosh, you know, why is this been so condemned? Why is this something we feel is dirty? Why are we afraid to talk about this with our partners or men or, you know, just give us some. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. It is so powerful that it has been feared in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why witches were burned because they were the women who were in tune with nature, who were in tune with their cycles, who honored these types of things. And it was so powerful that it scared some what I believe to be some very wounded masculine people in the past Um, because there was a point in time where the menstrual cycle was um, at the forefront of our civilization and our entire culture and community celebrated it and understood how powerful it was and totally just felt so honored and blessed to be in the presence of a woman bleeding. That was a time on our planet. I'm not quite sure when the exact shift happened. I'm sure it's a really complex story of the history, the true history of our planet, but it is that powerful. Like we're only just barely starting to uncover the power of it. We're just barely like touching the surface of it. I have no idea what 
the actual true power of it is like if we had like a gathering of women who were deeply in tune with their menstrual cycle and all had a common benevolent vision i can only imagine um how quickly we would be able to bring forth a vision into the physical mm-hmm. and um there was uh, Pia Orlean talks about this, and I think she's the second episode of my summit. Um, she's the one who traveled around to different indigenous cultures and learned from them what their perspective was on the menstrual cycle. I'm pretty sure she went to school in Southern California somewhere, and she was talking about how there's these huge statues, I think of men, and they're like slicing their scrotum and catching blood from it because they're trying to intimidate this power that women have mm. in menstruation. So there's been this um, <clears throat> envy of the power of the menstrual cycle. And I think because that's the only thing that has, that this negative patriarchal energy that's been on the planet for a long time, the menstrual cycle cannot be infiltrated. It is the only part of the human spirit, basically, on that cannot be hacked. Like our connection can't be severed in women. And you can see how greatly women have suffered through, I don't even know how many hundreds of years mm. trying to sever this connection and suppress this magic, but it doesn't work because you can see it's coming back full force on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most potent medicines that we have to utilize to slow the pace of the whole planet down right now. It's so important for women to honor a natural time to rest. And in doing so, we're also gonna invite men to honor their natural need to rest because it's unnatural for any human being to be in constant production mode like we've been forever. And the menstrual cycle can help the whole freaking planet slow down and pay attention to our own well being and needs and listen to our bodies and rest and receive some time so that we're not continuing to plummet down this dark hole <laughs> of suffering. Absolutely. I call it being on the hamster wheel of life. Um, and I feel like I've lived that as I'm sure many of you have just constantly going, constantly going. And I'll say this, you know, when you step off the hamster wheel, it's almost like you're stepping out into the twilight zone because it's so slow and you have to reacclimate and you have to really kind of slow down, you know, even just watching your movements, you know? Um, And that brings up something else, you know, well, slow has been like, oh, you don't want to be slow. You know, you want to be fast and sharp and get things done. And, you know, and so it's really breaking through those layers of conditioning that we have as well. And so I just encourage everybody who's listening to just, just have that awareness to watch how you show up in the world and take maybe your menstrual cycle as that opportunity to, like Angel has been saying, just have 
deeper compassion for yourself and the awareness and that make those conscious decisions that, you know, maybe you're just going to slowly move through the day and consciously try to do it like where you slow down a bit and it's going to feel really uncomfortable if you're like me and you've been like spinning, you know, on that wheel for so long. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is probably one of the most challenging pieces and I still experience that and I have been working ceremonially with my menstrual cycle for years and it's just still challenging for me to slow down even though I do it pretty good but there's still that um that deep mental programming that we have to be doing something and that's also because we're not used to being present we're not getting present and this momentum on the planet has gotten to such a level of insanity that it doesn't even feel good for us to slow down right but that's actually our natural um state is ebbing and flowing through production and rest and it's more challenging on the mind i feel Mm -hmm. um so i usually have women that i work with take up some type of gentle creative activity Mm. to keep their minds busy, but not using the thinking analytical part of it, using the creative, more feminine um, side of your brain Mm -hmm. and give them something to do if it's really challenging for you to slow down and you can't actually just lay down. But I think for a lot of women, it can be really relieving when you're you know, womb is swollen and you're in pain and your body is completely exhausted and you're so emotionally vulnerable to stay in a safe space, to not have to force yourself to go out and do all the things. Um, There's so much healing in that alone, which I feel like you have been experiencing Mm -hmm. and that a lot of the physical ailments that women suffer from in all of their lady parts so much of that could be healed just by creating space to rest and saying no and saying no yes like no to obligations or things that come up that you know maybe two weeks ago you had planned with your girlfriends and you were so excited to do and then oh your menstrual cycle falls on that time and it would actually serve you more to just nest um, you know, being okay with calling your friends and saying, you know, I, I can't join this time, but I'll be there next time. You know, having that boundary, I think is kind of what we're touching on here is the importance of those boundaries to create that sacred space. I do want to just share one little anecdote before we wrap up about kind of the blood and the blood being dirty. Cause I have advised a couple different girlfriends who are very interested in the, in their menstrual cycle and healing that and becoming more acquainted with it to give their blood back to mother earth, like you had advised. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do that. Right. So I would, I would collect my, my blood in a large Mason jar and I would dilute it with water. And then I would go out into my garden and I would give it back to my apple tree and give it back to this, back to that bush and those flowers. And then I walked around the side and I got to my vegetable patch where I'm Mm -hmm. eating like the lettuces, the chards, basil, the eggplants, whatever it was. And I like kept walking like, Ooh, like not going to put my blood on something that I would eat. Sure. 
how dare I? And I like kept going. And then I caught myself and I was like, wait a minute. Like I literally thought, oh, my blood is dirty. I wouldn't want to put it on something that I'm ingesting. So I'm going to skip over those. And that was a big aha moment for me of like, hmm, so you still have a little judgment there around this being dirty. Because again, these are, these are deeply conditioned thoughts mm-hmm. and behaviors that we have been exposed to over the many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I think I had talked to you about it, Angel. I think I had called and I had shared this with you and you were like, pour it on the chard, pour it on the lettuces. So I want you to tell the listeners um, you know, why that is important and maybe anything that comes to mind about how that rears its ugly head every once in a while. Like this, this belief of like, no, it's not, it's not, it's dirty. Don't do that. It's not good. Like anything else you want to share about that? Yeah. Uh, I'm still working on undoing that conditioning in myself. Um, but one of the things is if you think about what your womb's doing, it is creating a luscious, juicy, nutrient-rich environment to grow another human being in. That's what it's doing. So it's giving all of your best nutrients to the lining of your womb. And it's rich with stem cells also, and very nutrient-dense. So it's really good food for your plants. And also there's this really awesome thing that um, most of us don't understand on the planet of this this really special um, relationship that human beings have with the plant world of this planet. And there's this thing that plants are able to do by reading your DNA and growing into a specific formula that is best for you. So it's kind of like having your own pharmacy. And um, when you offer any piece of you really that has your DNA in it, um, your plants pick up on that and they kind of shift in the nutrient combination that they grow in to be more beneficial for your body. So if you have like an imbalance or an ailment or something in your body and you are um, continuously offering your the information from your DNA, whether it's through your blood or your saliva, you could even do it with urine, um, you allow the plants and the intelligence of Pachamama to read you. You get like, you mix with her, you know? So sh- so the intelligence of her and the planet can actually read where you're at in health mm-hmm. and more. Um, and I don't think that there's any better medicine for us than our own gardens. And especially when we cultivate a close relationship with our plants and realize that they are powerful healing allies and work with them then they work with us and there's just something really special and magical about menstrual blood, Um, especially because Pachamama is, you know, an embodiment of the the divine feminine. So it's kind of um, 
I personally see it as like bridging this gap between us. And it just goes hand in hand with, with us just being more embodied and actually paying attention and tuning into the fact that we are cyclical beings also and made of the earth. We are not separate from her, we are her. And learning how to have a right relationship with the earth and learning that she wants to support us in our flourishing on every level and cultivating a relationship with her through the plants, through our own bodies, through our blood, through our intentions, through our open hearts. Um, and the act of doing things with meaning and intention and in a ritualistic kind of way. Mm. <sighs> I can tell you my plants are thriving. <laughs> <laughs> and I joke around about it too. I think I have a couple of girlfriends that come by and they're like, oh wow, your plants look really good. I'm like, you know why? <laughs> um, Thank you, Angel. This has just been so wonderful to chat with you about this. I feel like there's so much we could continue to uncover about the power of the menstrual cycle and are your, all of your Ayurvedic wisdom as well. Uh, Angel has been so generous to actually gift um, three beautiful sessions to the first three people who comment on this interview. Um, and the, the sessions are called the menstrual blueprint session. Um, and so what a great opportunity to connect more with Angel and the wisdom that she has. And, you know, she certainly encouraged me along my period palace healing journey and, and it's really been phenomenal. So I'm so grateful that you're offering that to three lucky listeners. So thank you for that. Um, how, how can people get in touch with you um, otherwise? Yeah. So um, you can email me directly at honoring the sacred self at gmail.com. Um, that's also the name of my business page on Facebook. Perfect. And you could connect with me under Angel Aquarian on Facebook or the Island Angel on Instagram. And I also just want to add that um, that wealth of knowledge that I collected on the menstrual cycle and all of these incredible women, wise women and healers that work in this field, that's still available. And it's in the link in my bio on Instagram if anybody wants to check out that wealth of knowledge about the menstrual cycle, um, please do that. And also I am going to be hosting a masterclass on this subject, but I don't have the date determined yet. So you'll have to just stay tuned for that. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, this has been so, so great. Uh, Angel, is there any last bit of wisdom on your heart or anything else that you'd like to share? Yeah, I just want to leave um, any women who are tuning into this with the message of your own value and worthiness, because women are such givers and nurturers, and oftentimes we forget ourselves. And that's one of the biggest pieces that the menstrual cycle mentors us in is to remember ourselves and to know that your own well-being, prioritizing your own well-being is extremely important, not only for you, but for everyone that you love and whatever work you're called to do on the planet, you can't do it from an empty cup. So 
it's uncomfortable to develop boundaries where there weren't boundaries before, but it is so essential for your own well-being. And it is a responsibility of every woman to really understand that her own well-being is valuable and she needs to prioritize it just as much as she prioritizes the well-being of her family and loved ones. So, um, and if it's not a perfect situation for you, you have everything you need to figure out your current life situation. It's about getting your priorities straight. So as soon as you determine that this is a priority for you, spirit, the divine source, the universe, are all gonna work in unison to help support this intention. Um, so make it happen for yourself. You totally deserve it and it's really important. <laughs> it's, I couldn't agree more. Let's make it happen, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Angel, it's been awesome to have you. Um, if anybody has, who is listening to this thinks that you know one of their sisters or their soul sisters would love to listen to this, please send it along um, and help share this very important message. Um, and make sure to leave us a comment below and we'll tune in and, and chat with you guys next time. Thanks so much, Angel. Thanks. <laughs>